Talk 1110-993-WBT. Joining me in studio now is Paul Jamison. And uh, welcome to the program, Paul. How are you? Gosh, Pete, it's great to be with you. Nice to, <laughs> nice to sit with you for a Absolutely. I, I, I hear you on the air here all the time. So tell us a little bit about this uh, event, this Positively Matthews, that you have... I was unaware, but you actually created this. This was your own event that is now like a, a city thing in Matthews. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I look back on it now, and it's kind of a shock because I started this about 15 years ago. Um, my son at the time was just struggling with some things, uh, but animals he could relate to. Mm-hmm. So who doesn't love a pet? Who doesn't love their dog? So we had what we called the pet parade. And we started it in the back uh, yard of my office. We had about 100 people that came. The mayor came. So we had a little contest. And I had three wait, 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 Hang on a second. Did you know the mayor? Was this a personal friend of yours? Yeah, this is town of Matthews. I mean, everybody that knows Scott everybody. Scott Paget? Back at the time, it was Lee Myers. Lee Myers. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So so Lee Myers swings by. Lee see Myers the came parade. by. Yeah, we had just a handful of sponsors. We had Costco. We had a vet. And we had a pet mortuary. <laughs> so, oh, you got I mean, the whole uh, life cycle. I mean, so we were, you know, Costco to that. And we had a clown named Curly who is still with us 15 years later. Okay. Making balloon animals. And we marched around the backyard. We had a dress-up contest. For the animals. For the animals. Okay. And yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's good clarity. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. And it slowly, each year we progressed. We got to march down the street a few times. We marched down the center of town a few times. To now, it's in Stumptown Park. Uh, in previous years, pre-COVID, we'd have maybe 3,000 people. Wow. 65 vendors this year we've got 45 vendors we've got coconut grove the band which will be playing live during the event uh the police department comes with their uh dogs Mm -hmm. and put on an exhibition it's the craziest thing i've ever seen the drug the drug dogs yeah the canine yeah canine unit yeah the drug detecting dogs that's right the drug dogs the drug detecting they're they're not taking any they're getting it Because you might attract a whole different yeah. clientele to this event if you started yeah. uh, promoting right. that. Not the ones hanging out under the porch. Right. <laughs> All right. The, the, the other thing. So how long has this been going on? 15, Eight. 15 years. 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. And now we are the only day of the year that uh, pets are allowed in Stumptown Park. So there's a beer garden that will be there. Food trucks will be there. Uh, of course, you'll be there. So the so the so this this ban on animals... Except for, do you think the dogs know that this is their one year in the park? Just make the most of it. I think they sniff look, everything. I think they look forward to it. We have a sponsor there by the name of Poop Nine One One. So we are covered, man. We got with it. This guy, this guy's got us going on. He's there every single year. What? Is, he just goes around and cleans up after he the dogs. That's so, his gig. So they go. He goes too. So oh, I got you. Very nicely good. done. It's all good. Uh, so uh, if people wanted uh, to come on down, this is on Saturday, November 5th, obviously, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, are there, do you have like a, a rundown of events or uh, are th- that people should know about? And then I was going to get into some of the details like for parking or whatever, if anybody needs to know that. Yeah, the um, the events they need to know about, of course, is the canine, the canine officers that are there performing and showing what they can do. But also there's a lot of pet adoption. 
So we used to, in the past, do what we called the mutt strut, which was all the dogs that were available for adoption. But this year, we're going to do something a little bit differently. The adoption centers have asked that we kind of come to them. But you'll find anywhere from Great Danes to Chihuahuas uh, there that are looking for a new family. And every year, it's just a struggle not to go home with a handful of these dogs. So, so there'll be a lot available for adoption. So the are they so the 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 adoption centers you're talking about like Mecklenburg County Animal Care Control? No, they're they're actually private rescues. Okay. That come. I got you. Uh, and they bring, do they bring dogs with them to the event? Okay. They do. There'll be dogs there that you can love on, hug and get to know and you can get to know these different rescues. Mm-hmm. And um it's been fantastic, um, and over the years, we've had many different ones that come, but there, like I say, there's 45 different vendors, so if you even don't want to bring your dog, if your dog is not, air quote, social, then come and do your Christmas shopping for your dog. Yeah. You know, come get some things. Come learn. There's so many nice vendors there. Um, there's also an opportunity to, to find other things that aren't even pet-related, but fun. Yeah, and, and it's it's a cool area. You can hang out and... Uh, it's right at the Masonic Lodge. They got restrooms there as well. I'm looking at the map here. You're going to have vendors all down South Trade Street here, looks like. Yep. Uh, the beer pavilion you mentioned for the dogs. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, for the people. <laughs> Who's that? I'm trying to see the brewery that's there. Who is that? Seaboard? Yeah, Seaboard is there. Their, their location is on Trade Street, but they're going to have uh, lots of um, different craft beers mm-hmm. there for you to try. They're, they've been there the last several years. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, the whole park will be covered with dogs. So Stumptown Park, and it's easy to park. The church across the street is gracious enough to let you park there, but there's also on-street parking and then the public parking just, just a stone's throw away. Yeah, easy to get to. And so for 15 years you've been doing this, started in your backyard, uh, and now it's, uh, I guess it's sort of like you broke containment. You like started walking down the street. Did you, know, like, did you need permits for that when you started walking down the streets or you just, you know, back then it was <laughs> as long as the mayor was walking with us, we were, were fine, fine. <laughs> but it has evolved. Right. And you know, the town, what really took it to the next level is when the town said, you know what, we want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And they got behind me and some great, the community got behind us. And it has just blossomed. Uh, this year, you know, we're, we're looking like the weather's going to be pretty good and lots of good music. And it's just a day for the dogs. Yeah. Paul Jameson, and by the way, yes, of Jameson Realty. And so I wanted to ask you also while I got you in here, um, can I pick, or is there anything else on this before I start picking your brain on real? Uh, no, real I just want to see people come. Okay. It's a good time. It's Positively Matthews. It's this Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3. And uh, yeah, bring your dogs. Um, all right, real estate. Yes, sir. I already bought a house, so I'm not looking to buy. But I'm watching. I still watch the markets. I still am, am, am very interested in what I'm seeing. Right. And it, give me sort of a twenty thousand foot level first off, like sure. national trend line. I know like every market's different, kind of. But what does the nationwide picture look like with real estate right now? Right now, if you really summarize what's going on in our, our country and even community, but I'd say Charlotte, as you know from being here, is a little bit insulated from mm-hmm. that with 140 people a day popping into this area, right? But realistically, we're getting back to what I call normal. Okay. If you look at pre-COVID and, and where rates were and where activity was and where demand was, you're kind of seeing it. Again. So normal is 2019, roughly? 
2019, yeah, 2019, 2018, parts of 2018, rates were about 5 or 6%, so mm-hmm. they're a little higher than they were back then. But you're seeing houses be on the market 30 to 40 days on average. You're starting to see that again, as long as they're priced correctly. You know the old expression, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. So mm-hmm. if you want to be a hog, you're going to sit longer. Um, but if you price your home right, you're going to sell at that right mark. And, and we're starting to see that now in Charlotte. But what people aren't seeing but they're predicting is a massive influx of houses for sale, so they believe. Mm-hmm. But if you intuitively look at it, even across the country, all those that took advantage of those low mortgage rates that have a mortgage probably like you, below we're 4%. Done. Yeah, we're done. You are not going to sell that house right now, right? And even though they want to buy, what a lot of people are doing is saying, okay, I've got to buy, but I'm going to keep my house, rent it out, because I can take care, take advantage of some tax advantages. So right. inventories aren't spiking, and yet they're looking to buy because they know a year from now or by the end of 2023, they're going to be able to refinance at a lower rate than even today, We're hoping. according to the economists, right? You know why they have economists, right, Pete? No. It's to make weathermen look good. So, sorry, sorry, sorry about that. There you go. But I deserve that. I was going to say lawyers. <laughs> I was actually going to guess to make lawyers look good. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so the, the, the interest rates being where they are now, people predicting that there's, those things are going to come back down, I guess, once inflation is under control. Yeah, sub five. Sub 5%. That is, I would say that's an optimistic projection. That's my own personal prediction. I, I, because I, I, I don't see how the money that was already printed, quote unquote, printed and put into the supply, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to get sucked up in, in a year or 18 months. It's going to take a lot longer. Uh, so I don't see the rates coming back down. It, it, we, yeah, I don't know. Um, so the, what happens with the inventory, though? If people are sitting and they're going to rent... Do the builders keep building if the interest rates are where they are? They're slowing down. Mm-hmm. But but on the antithesis of that, if they sit on the fence, rents have gone up 12%. Right. Already, just in our market here so far this year. So you have opposing forces, rates going up, rents going up. And the interest rate on rent is 100%. Yeah. Right? So those kinds of things still... You know, real estate is still a solid investment. We're going to be up about 4% um, by the end of this year, as opposed to the years we were up 30% in two years. Mm-hmm. So it, real estate is still climbing, but your original question was, what does it look like in aggregate? Yeah, It is slowing, it is normalizing, but it's not spiking in one direction or the other. Or cratering. Yes. Yeah. That's why I use the other. It's like negative growth. That's not negative growth. That's shrinkage. That's right. Uh, All right. Nobody likes shrinkage. No. Paul Jameson, Jameson Realty, Positively Matthews, this weekend. Go check it out. Great to have you in here. Thanks so much for spending some time with me. I do appreciate it. Good to see you, friend. You too. Take care. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right. So last night I was listening to Charlotte at 6 with Mark Harrison. And he had a story uh, about a, a woman running for state house, and uh, well, take a listen. 
621 Charlotte at 6. I'm Mark Garrison. Now, dirty politics and lying campaign ads. Local Democrat running for the state house has some explaining to do about sliming her Republican opponent. Talking about Democrat Diamond Staten Williams. She's a member of the Harrisburg Town Council. She's also running for the state legislature. But her television ad in her bid to get to the state house is a misleading mess. She claims her Republican opponent, Brian Echevarria, was once arrested for writing a bad check. And the ad even shows Echevarria in a mugshot. Trouble is, the mugshot is phony. It was created by her television producer because Echevarria was not arrested. Though he did once write a bad check, he says, in the 90s, not long after high school. Here's the ad. Brian Echeverria. Echeverria racked up a million dollars in debt, declared bankruptcy, and left tens of thousands owed to small businesses. When he didn't stiff folks, Echeverria used a bad check to pay. Bankruptcy. Bad check. Stiffing small businesses. That's Brian Echeverria. I hope Cabarrus County will join me in supporting Diamond State and no, Williams the House. In Raleigh, we'll work together to get All the right. cost of living under right, control. Cooper. Diamond State and Williams is a mom and a nurse, and you can trust her to look out for your family. Well, that's Governor Cooper at the end of the spot. Wait promoting. a minute. Hang on a second. How can we trust her if she's play, putting fake mug shots of somebody in her ads? Diamond State and Williams is honest. As you might imagine, the details of all of this are a bit complicated, so we'll sort it out now with Republican Brian Echevarria. So, Brian, on that television spot, there's a mugshot of you for bouncing a check, but you were never arrested? I, I know. It's the craziest thing to see a, a fake mugshot of yourself, but it's even crazier knowing your children have seen it and your, your mom and dad have seen it, you know? Well, it shows how far back they go digging. So was this a check that you bounced, what, 20 years ago when you were a, a young person? Yeah, I mean, it's a check in 1998, and I definitely wasn't arrested. That's the that's the crazy part, you know. But they tried to make it seem like the check bounced last week. <laughs> now, how old were you at the time of the check? Man, I think I was 19 going on 20, something like that. Yeah, I thought I, I had... I mean, I graduated high school in 1996. Okay. Got to give some perspective. So this was a yeah. youthful youthful indiscretion, right, with a, with a check yes, that pretty bounced. Pretty much, yes. Now, and I've never bounced another check. And, you know, not that there's something wrong. I mean, I, a person bounces a check when they don't have enough money. And there's a lot of Americans right now dealing with the economy, and there's checks bouncing. 40% of businesses didn't pay their their lease in October. I was just reading uh, an article today. I can't remember where I was reading it, but I'm sure anyone who looks it up will see it. And it's just ridiculous. But I'll tell you what's also interesting. The two times in my life when I had not enough money, both times were Democrat presidents. (laughs) (laughs) They also made it sound like you had written a bad check to pay a bunch of creditors. Yeah, they're just horrible. I mean, that's all I can say. And I've just settled that this is who they are. So and and they talk about bankruptcy in the ad too. What is that all about? I did. I filed bankruptcy in 2010, and it was nothing like they said. You know, the idea that I left small businesses holding the bag totally false. Anyone going in my bankruptcy papers, which are public record, they could see that that's that's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. They're, they're trying to make, you know, in politics. I've learned this since January. You have lies. You have truths. And then the worst thing is a lie about the truth. The truth is I filed bankruptcy. The lies are basically everything they said about it. <laughs> you filed a complaint with her campaign, correct? Yes, we did. Jeez. For the fake mugshot. You know, in the fake mugshot, we were, they had me seven feet tall in this new fake mugshot. 
They have me 5'11". I'm neither of which. I'm like 6'2". <laughs> so, I mean, they're just fabricating a picture of me when I'm like 38. 40, you know, they're just, I mean, it's who they are, like I said, and I've kind of just resigned to that. You know what? For 10 months, I've been campaigning, and this is the first time I've even had to mention that I had an opponent. I'm here, I think that, that on the right side of the family, I'm on the right side of, of principle and righteousness, and that's the way I've been campaigning. It wasn't until Governor Cooper put his credibility behind the lie that I felt the need to come out and say, wait a minute, stop it. You know, that was, uh, that's the only reason. I mean, my opponent simply has horrible ideas. We've seen the, the, the Petri dish of those policies in, in places like New York and San Francisco. And I'm on the right side of the family, so I'm, I'm confident, cautiously optimistic. And that's the way we've been campaigning the entire time. Family is our story. Everything we want is about our family. America's great because our families are here. You know, and that's the way I think government needs to, to treat policy is that every policy eventually is going to affect families. And that's, that's how I believe it. That's how I see it. And that's, that's what I think the people of Cabrera County want. But, you know, one thing my opponent hasn't done is answered a single question about herself. And it seems like she has a lot to answer for. But instead, what they're doing is they're trying to buy my district. This week alone, with a uh, with million dollars from Michael Bloomberg, they're spending $360,000 on these negative ads of me. $60,000 additional on... Election Day, and it's over 800000 approaching a million dollars for the campaign. So obviously, they don't like how they're polling, because you don't spend that kind of money on elections, you're winning. And I think the community is going to see that, and they're going to see through the lies. I mean, it's so poorly, it's so, it's, it's, it's so distasteful, it's beneath the integrity and, and, and decorum that we, we should have as Americans. And that's what they did, and I think that they're going to be rejected. Well, I appreciate you taking time to uh, talk to me. If you hear anything from the complaint you filed, whether let me know. Yes, and, I, and I'm thinking that we're going to probably send another one. I mean, it's it's shameful that blatant lies like a fake mugshot are even allowed to be on TV. I mean, no one needs to, in my opinion, you can look at the mugshot, you can tell it's fake, and it shouldn't be on television. It's a shame we have to even write a letter and, and send the cease and desist and possibly look at litigation. I mean, that's shameful. We can't focus on that now. We're just going to keep knocking on doors. We're working at the polls. And while they try to buy the election, our campaign is growing out of the grass, straight out of the grassroots of our community, and that's why we, we're cautiously optimistic. Brian Echeverria, he's uh, running for uh, the state house from uh, Cabarrus County, Republican. Thanks. Now, I left a message for Democrat Diamond Staten Williams. No callback about her deceptive ad. By the way, we'll point out Staten Williams has some skeletons in her closet. Court records show she was once convicted of lying to a cop. No! She was also charged with simple assault at one point, but that was dismissed by the district attorney. And tomorrow, get this, Staten Williams is going to court. She'll ask for a restraining order against a poll worker because she said the poll worker stared at her. True. She did She did say that a poll worker stared at her. She went down to try to get a restraining order. It was not accepted, and apparently now they're, they asked for a continuance today. Till after the election! This woman this woman's just ridiculous. That's a heck of an endorsement there, Ray. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. A complaint has been filed with the State Board of Elections. According to Carolina Journal, they would know 
The complaint alleges that a group called Neighbors on Call, Political Action Committee, is taking in-kind contributions from the state Democratic Party. And those contributions exceed the limits allowed by law. The law bans groups and candidates from accepting an individual or committee contribution valued in excess of $5,600 for an election. Right? The complaint, which was filed by Jim Sterling with the Civitas Center for Public Integrity at the John Locke Foundation, which also is the uh, owner of the Carolina Journal, John Locke Foundation is, So this complaint from Jim Sterling alleges that the Democratic Party, state party, is coordinating with the local PAC, Neighbors on Call, to use the Democrats' phone banking system and canvassing software, even having workshops where state party leadership trains their volunteers on how to use it. The data management system, it's called NGPVAN, NGPVAN, I don't know, It's a Democratic Party canvassing tool that tracks voters, their addresses, their voting patterns. It has a recurring cost of an estimated $10,000 a month. With just one week to go before the election, Neighbors on Call is allegedly using the tools to send volunteers into neighborhoods, knocking on doors on behalf of Democrat candidates. So, the local PAC, according to finance reports, the local PAC only has less than $13,000 in income. That's a problem. Because the recurring cost for the NGPVAN is ten grand a month. So how does this organization, this PAC, Neighbors on Call, how are they affording it? Oh, or are you saying that the Democratic Party is letting them use it for free? And that is an in-kind contribution. It's not a shared resource. It's a contribution to their operations worth significantly more than $5,600, which, again, is the limit. Oh, one other thing. In-kind contributions like this indicate a uh, coordinated expenditure between a, a PAC and a party, right? Democratic Party working with this PAC, letting them use their software. That's coordination, that's also illegal. I know it's it's different when Democrats do it. It's fine. Political candidates around the United States have released thousands of ads focused on violent crime this year. Most registered voters see the issue as very important in the November 8th midterm elections. Pew Research Center, written a piece written by John Gramlich, breaks down violent crime is a key midterm voting issue, but what does the data say? The official stats from the federal government paint a complicated picture when it comes to recent changes in the U.S. violent crime rate. With Election Day approaching, they took a closer look at the voter attitudes on it, and then they compared it with the crime stats that come from the Bureau of Justice Statistics and the FBI. So, around 6 in 10 registered voters, now that's just registered voters, not likely voters. Remember, there's a difference. The likely voters... They're the ones that move the election outcomes. Registered voters, not so much. Because they're just registered. And by making it super easy to register, like, oh, hey, I got a driver's license. Wow, I'm registered to vote now. A lot of people get registered and never vote. 
So around 6 in 10 registered voters say violent crime is very important when making their decision about who to vote for. Violent crime ranks alongside energy policy and health care in perceived importance, but it's below the economy. So, all right, so essentially what Pew is telling us here is that in, in, in the ranking of the top issues, economy number one, crime number two, energy policy, which I would put into the economy bucket as well, health care, and that's it. Republican voters are much more likely than Democrats to see violent crime as a key voting issue. Three quarters of Republicans and GOP-leaning registered voters say violent crime is very important. 49% of Democrats and Democrat leaners, as they call them, so 73 to 49. It's a huge gap between Republicans and Democrats on this crime issue. Older voters, far more than younger voters, see violent crime as a key election issue. Voters without a college degree, way more likely uh, to say violent crime is very important to their midterm vote than people who have a college degree. Black voters are particularly likely to say violent crime is a very important midterm issue. Black Americans have consistently been more likely than other racial and ethnic groups to express concern about violent crime. And that remains the case this year. 81% of black registered voters, even more than Republicans, 81% say violent crime is very important to their midterm vote compared with 65% of Hispanics and 56% of whites. Differences by race. Listen to this. Differences by race are especially pronounced among Democratic registered voters. 82% of black Democratic voters say violent crime is very important to them. Only one-third of white Democrats say the same. That is a massive gap. That's a 50-point spread between blacks and whites in the Democrat Party. So why do black Democrats keep voting for Democrats? If this is, this is such an important issue, but they don't vote accordingly. What's up? Why not? Why wouldn't you vote for the most important issue that you say is very important in the midterm votes? Annual government surveys from the Bureau of Justice Statistics show no recent increase in the U.S. violent crime rate. Did you know that? See, I, I, I do mention that like, when I talk about the crime rates and such, like crime was much higher 80s, 90s, and began dropping. And by the way, nobody really knows why. There are theories out there, but nobody really knows why the crime rates declined as constantly and precipitously as they did. 2021 is the most recent year with available data. There were 16 and a half violent crimes for every 1,000 Americans. 16 and a half violent crimes for every 1,000 Americans. And this is for the population 12 and older. That is unchanged from the year before. Oh, okay. So it's, uh, it was kind of the same, right? Um, well... Yeah, not so much, because that was before the pandemic, right? The FBI reported an increase in violent crime between 2019 and 2020. Oh, and then they changed the way they collected the data. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little tough to get a read on that, but we saw the violence increasing in 19 to tw- from 19, rather, to 20. 
and then flatline 20 to 21 under the new way they're collecting the data. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'll get some more emails here in a minute. Just kind of racing through all this stuff because I got so much to cover. Running out of time. So the National Crime Victimization Survey, sorry, Victimization Survey, uh, they ask people like a quarter of a million Americans every year. They ask them, uh, you know, uh, describe any recent experiences that you've had with crime. And it doesn't track the most serious form of violent crime. Uh, because it's based on interviews with survivor uh, with survivors, and so they're just asking, you know, were you victimized, or whatever. It doesn't track the most serious. So the FBI estimates there was no increase in the violent crime rate in 2021. Okay, based off of that victimization survey. The other major government study of crime in the U.S. is the National Incident-Based Reporting System from the FBI, and that uses a different methodology from the BJS survey, and it only tracks crimes that are reported to police. So. So you see the difference? Like one is a survey that that captures, hopefully, uh, whether you know, people who aren't reporting all of their victimization to the police. And then the other one captures essentially only those that get reported to the police. So you can do a comparison. The most recent version of the FBI study shows no rise in the national violent crime rate between 2020 and 2021. That said, there is considerable uncertainty around the FBI's figures for 2021. Because of a transition to a new data collection system, the FBI reported an increase in the violent crime rate between 2019 and 2020 under the old data collection method. So when they started, so they were using the old system and it started ticking up and then they changed the collection system and now it's flat. In the latest FBI study, around four in ten police departments, including large ones like New York, did not submit data. So the FBI estimate data uh, for those uh, areas is going to be missing, right? And uh, Four in ten. Four in ten police departments did not participate in the data collection for this latest round. For this new collection method, the high non-participation rate is at least partly due to the new reporting system, which asks local police departments to submit far more information about each crime than in the past. The new reporting system also makes it difficult to compare recent data with data from past years. Well, isn't that convenient? While the total U.S. violent crime rate does not appear to have increased recently, the most serious form of violent crime, murder, has risen significantly during the pandemic. So am I to believe that, all, that only murders rose? Is that That's what I'm being asked to believe? I, that only murder went up. Okay. Both the FBI and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported a 30% increase in the U.S. murder rate, marking one of the largest year-over-year increases ever recorded. See, the thing with the murder rate is, there's a body. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really do anything about that stat. (laughs) There's a dead body. Someone got shot. It's a murder. So, yeah. You got to compile that one. Despite the increase in the nation's murder rate in 2020, the rate remained well below past highs, and murder remains the least common type of violent crime overall. Those are both true. 
Official stats for 2022 are not yet available. Voters might be reacting to an increase in violent crime that has yet to surface in annual government reports, though. That's possible, right? We're seeing violent crime. We see it. We see it on the news, right? People might be thinking of kinds of violent crime, like murder, which has risen, rather than the total violent crime numbers. They could be reacting conditions that they see in their own neighborhoods. Um, the public often tends to believe that crime is up even when the data shows it is down. This is a, it's a fairly common thing across years. Okay, let me go over here to Mark. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, Pete. Um, so from your segment with uh, about Staten Williams. Yeah. I, I'm in District 14 now. We actually just moved from Harrisburg. Now we're in 14 with uh, Jackson. But um, Harrigan. I had, no, you get to vote for Harrigan. I did vote for Harrigan. <laughs> uh, I did do the early voting. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, I've been blocked off of Jackson's page again. Because uh, <laughs> I congratulated him on his endorsement from the Democrats Party's uh, media arm. He was kind of his observer um, endorsement. And he but, blocked you for that. He's an elected official. I didn't think they were allowed to do that. Well, what he's doing is he's hiding my comments. Uh, I can't see them. Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing was, is he said he was going to run this, whatever he called it, decent and honest campaign. But it turns out uh, that Pat Harrigan actually had called him out with an open letter about him giving oppo research to the Observer, doing a hit piece on him for you know building firearms and giving jobs to people. Yeah, I've gotten those. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw yesterday the Observer said that one of Jackson's minions, I guess, was filing a complaint with the election board to get Harrigan ruled. Yeah, they're trying to get him ruled uh, ineligible because he doesn't um, uh, because he wasn't. Well, no, he was it. He moves. He he's got an apartment in the district. I think it's in South Park area or somewhere, South Charlotte. I forget right. where. So he has an apartment, but he and his wife they they lived somewhere else. Now, in you you don't need to live in the district to run for a congressional district seat. First of all, uh, second of all, uh, they they move there and then they register to vote and then they've been. Voting and they voted in the last election here, and so they were trying to make some argument that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't have been allowed to vote in the last election. But I went over this like a couple of days back, where uh, you don't have to. The, the The rules on residency in in North Carolina are the place to which you intend to return. That defines your domicile, and and Democrats have used this ambiguous language. For decades now, in order to get college kids voting in their college towns, and now you got Jackson turning around and making the exact opposite argument because he doesn't want to have this opponent. I guess. Yeah, and isn't that the same thing Vilma Leak does? Yeah, pretty much. Although, has she sold the Rain Tree House? Do we know if she has? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just know that I, I did early voting yesterday, and I was uh, somewhat discouraged uh, by the number of races that had no Republicans. Yeah, there were. Yeah, there are a bunch of, the, especially the judge races in Mecklenburg County. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Mark, I appreciate the call, man. Good to talk with you. Thank you, sir. All right, take care. Uh, this is from Jay, who says, "Pete, I love the Ronald Reagan quote saying it's not that the left is stupid; it's just that they know so many things that are not true." Right. Fortunately, my church was closed six weeks until we went back without masks. The only place I wore a mask was work because I wanted to get paid. I did receive some looks while out and about, but I didn't care. My wife and I have friends who are afraid of their own shadow now. The damage has been done. Um, Diamond State and Williams has pulled the race card for a while on town commission. Made a real stink about something insignificant. Sounds like she's a real snowflake. Well, vote accordingly. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate the call. See you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>